Hey everyone, it's Dr. Theo, and in this very special episode of the show, Dr. Jackie and I sat down with students from El Camino College, a community college here in the Los Angeles area. Facilitated by their Student Equity Advisory Council, also known as SEAC, and their Black Student Union, we were the guests, and they took over the host chairs. So, let's start the show. Really excited to be with you all here today um, for this special episode of the show. Hey everyone, I'm Dr. Jackie Thomas. Um, I am also, of course, a co-founder of um, Stay Motivated and Rise Together Enterprises and a co-host for the Black Social Capital Podcast. Definitely have a lot of passion for helping students and professionals uh, navigate their way It is such a pleasure. Thank you both, Dr. Theo and Dr. Jackie, for introducing yourselves. Um, We're going to do a quick introduction about SEAC. Thank you all for joining us today. Um, I'm Andrea. I'm a SEAC co-chair for our Student Equity Advisory Council. Our mission here is to support diversity and equity-related clubs, also provide leadership opportunities for students. Our goal is to address the needs of student groups who have been historically underrepresented in higher education. Um, So I'm going to hand it over to Hernika for her to introduce herself as well. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this event. I'm Hernika Vicencio again. I'm a co-chair for SEAC, and I'm very excited for this event. Hello, everyone. I am Nayel Salinas, and I am also a co-chair for SEAC, and it's been a great pleasure that I am leading the team in this event and i hope all of you guys enjoy and it's going to be a great turnout my name is safi uh, i'm the president of the black student union here at el camino and just to give a little bit about like our goals um what the black student union tries to do you know we're a space to empower teach and discuss the black experience so events like these um hosted by siak is just very wonderful in getting that across and even talking to you guys in the Black Social Capital. Um, So I'm really excited to be here and excited to see some BSU members in the audience. So this is going to be great. Hi, everyone. Uh, My name is Cristela Cruz. I'm an advisor for the Student Equity Advisory Council, as well as for ASO, the Student Government, and the Interclub Council, the governing body of our student clubs on campus. So great to meet all of you, and I'm excited for the event that these students and our wonderful podcast hosts have for you today. For everyone in the audience, can you briefly explain what Black social capital is and why it's significant? Yeah, I can. I can. Uh, I can kick off uh, with that question. Uh, so let's go ahead and just define social capital um, in the first place. So social capital, uh, you might hear the word networking. You might hear the word collaboration. You might hear the word partnership. Um, Capital, when you think about money itself, is an exchange, you know, right? You, you give some dollars for an item that you want, right? Uh, so when you think about social capital, social capital is how we use our various networks uh, to get to where we want to go or the people that we want to meet or, um, or uh, parts of the journey that we want to experience. So a lot of times when... Uh, you're the first person 
in your family to go to college, when you come from an often minoritized background, we don't have a lot of the networks built into our communities or the people that we might meet initially, right? And that's why uh, for a lot of us, especially on this, you know, call, uh, we're using college as a way to uh, initially expand that network that we have. And so um, Black Social Capital uh, and our podcast is uh, Dr. Jackie and I highlighting people that we've met along our journey that have, um, you know, experienced different things than we have um, in terms of their career, uh, in terms of their, uh, you know, experience in, in uh, industry um, and us sharing that with others so that they can use other people's experience for their own benefit and capital, right? They can use uh, those, those nuggets, those, those gems and say, aha, you know, um, I understand what that person experienced or I have experienced that as well. And uh, it's important enough or useful enough for me to, to expand my network or to uh, extend my journey. So uh, very, very broadly, right. Uh, that's what we think about in terms of, uh, of social capital um, and placing specific emphasis on black social capital, because uh, blackness is a really uh, integral part of our, of both of our identities um, and I think that it's important to, to, uh, be in a space in a place where you can actually take advantage of, um, of sharing and collaborating with others, you know, in, in terms of your experience. What I love about the concept of black social capital is that it's, um, everything of course that Dr. Theo said, but also it's very much a way for, um, us to get those amazing black professionals who are in different areas in their career. Sometimes we have we have had a few people who are, you know, pretty much entry level or maybe just emerging into mid-level. And then we have those senior executives. Um, and we're using that platform as a way to help lift as we climb. Right? Along the way, I think there's definitely this component of showing how people have been scared in different areas of their journey and how they pushed through that and how they also found a way to enjoy different parts of the journey because the the beginning can be very, very hard when you're like, uh, what do they call it? Like paying your dues, right? Uh, the beginning can be very hard in building a career, but there are some ways that you can really enjoy that that time period in your career when you're trying to build and it's definitely um, on, it's definitely one of the topics that we get to cover a lot in the podcast of like how people were able to manage it, how they were able to see past the difficult parts, right? And to really latch on to the areas of joy that there were. So uh, I think Black Social Capital is, um, it has really just evolved into this like really, really helpful um, set of conversations that I really hope help other people, but they're definitely helping me. So going back on the whole networking thing, it kind of reminded me of um, the GED to your PhD episode where mm. uh, Dr. Melvin 
uh, this part really stuck uh, stuck out uh, stood out to me the most uh, where Dr. Melvin had a group of 20 uh, uh, colleagues or friends and then just throughout the times he just said one by one just started getting uh, their PhDs throughout the time and I just feel like because they had that tight network and like uh, yeah. social networking, I think that's what was able to get them to push through that. Just seeing like uh, Dr. Melvin got one, Dr. Melvin's friend got one, mm -hmm. Dr. Melvin's friend too got one. So then it just starts coming into like the me part, which was also addressing that in, in the podcast. And I just, from the beginning of, the show uh the interview right now i'm starting to see the the connections that you guys are speaking of yeah i really liked that episode and what you're naming is so common um as i you know as dr theo and i we worked really hard together even though we went to different schools we started at different times in different years we were in two different places all the time but we definitely worked together to make sure that we got through our doctorate programs together and as you know we worked with our classmates we worked with each other and other people in our networks and we all started graduating it became really clear that that is actually the norm uh, people do typically find some type of community uh, and or at least I will say our people of color and black people, especially like we find some type of community to help us through the the process. And that looks a lot of different ways. Right. Sometimes you just show up in class and whoever's there, you make a connection with someone there. That definitely helped me in my master's program. It wasn't exactly that way for me in my doc program, though. Um Theo and I are connected through um, historically Black Greek uh, letter organizations, and that's how we met. And we established a friendship before either of us started um, our doc programs. Uh, I know people will sometimes actually seek community uh, and they'll go into organizations like the PhD Project. Uh, numerous people on our podcast have um, cited that the PhD Project has really helped them. Um, succeed in completing their doctorate. And then there are all those other people who are not necessarily sitting at the table writing dissertations and papers while you are. Like, I just, I remember the people in my family helping me out, making sure that I ate because I would forget, right? I remember like every now and then my mom would <laughs> do my laundry. Like, it was very real. Life was very complicated. And, um, yeah, uh, you need all of that community and you got to make sure that you give those people their flowers um, after after you're done. What do you hope to achieve with the listeners of your podcast? Uh, I don't know how many of you have uh, heard of the term informational interview, right? An informational interview is literally uh, 15 or 20 minutes sitting down with a person uh, say you want to uh, get a new job. Uh, everybody's heard of LinkedIn, but once you connect with someone, what do you do there, right? Uh, you just you just have connections, right? One of the ways to capitalize again on on those connections is to sit down with people, ask them questions, and that's literally, you know, part of the way that our podcast got started was that we saw um, you know folks in different 
spaces and places. And we were like, hey, can we sit down and ask you questions about what you do, right? And, and, and why you're making the types of the decisions that you're making. And those 15 to 20 minute coffee chats turned into the podcast, right? It was like, hey, we're just exploring for ourselves. And then we're like, hey, maybe other people want to explore while we're exploring, right? And so, you know, our goal is to literally um, put a spotlight on people that don't often get a spotlight, right? Um, a space and place to recognize people that are on the way. It's a lot of times, you know, once you make it to the top of whatever mountain you are in your industry, everybody will recognize you, right? But nobody is recognizing you, you know, while you're in the midst of things. And so we, we like to try to catch people in the midst of things and celebrate them there um, so that we can also celebrate harder when, when folks are at the top, right? So uh, whatever that top might be. So, I mean, I think that's one of the things I, I'm looking forward to, you know, in our show. My hope for listeners is one, um, when you are trying to one, find your way and figure out what your career is even going to be, right? That is, it, it just feels like, you know, you, you're swimming and you don't know what direction to go in a lot of um, cases, or at least that was, that was definitely my, um, my situation. Uh, and then once you figure it out, it's like, okay, well, I picked the thing, right? And I'm going to go in this direction, at least for right now, maybe I'll do a second career later cool. Even then, like you don't necessarily look around and have a community right away um, or at all, depending on what it is you're trying to do, because sometimes people just don't see your vision. So I I hope that one, um, our podcast helps people not to feel alone in those um, in those moments uh, and that it normalizes that I'm swimming and I don't know what direction I'm actually trying to go. And then the, all right, I've picked the direction and who knows how long it's going to take me to get there. And who, how do I actually get this done? Right. I hope it normalizes the meandering that it feels like, um, to get from, you know, having decision made to actually being, feeling like you're on the right track. Right. Also, people are on the podcast saying what mistakes they've made. So I want people to sidestep mistakes because I have been a person throughout my life that has not, well, that has like recognized good advice when I've heard it. And sometimes I can sidestep mistakes and sometimes it's just good information that doesn't pop up in my head until I've made that mistake, but I never make that mistake more than once. So I hope that that is the case for listeners as well. Okay, thank you for sharing that. Um, I do have a question for the both of you. Um, what were some key moments in your personal and educational journey that fostered your passion for increasing the uh, Black social capital? I mean, I, I just didn't have any, right? I mean, in my mind, I didn't recognize, like everything that I'm telling you now, like recognize that you have, have capital. Like it took me a really long time to, to recognize that I had any sort of capital at all, right? And so like, I, I would be a student leader on campus, right? And I would just be going around and doing activities, right? Just doing the day-to-day. I, I didn't know that that was capital, right? And so like for me, uh, when, when I uh, had my own classroom, I think that experience made me realize that, you know, when I see inequities, you know, and I have the ability to uh, be a part of a shift, 
I want to be a part of it. So for me, it was pretty early on. Um, I had this moment pretty early on in my undergrad career when I was at Cal at UC Berkeley. I was not one of those like science major people. Like I took, uh, oh, I don't think I've ever told this on the show before, but I took one science class at Berkeley. It was like the introduction to neuroscience, like introduction to the brain. That was the hardest class I ever took. I studied so hard. And at the end of the class, I got a D and I was so excited. Like it was, I was like, I'm not taking it over. It's not a fail. I did it. Right. And sometimes you just have to know when you won and when to, you know, divert your attention. I say all of that to say, I knew enough to know that taking multiple math and science classes in the same semester at Berkeley was a lot. And I remember this one particular day, I was on the um, quad uh, talking to all of the first years about what classes they were going to take in the spring semester. And they were like, a couple of them were like, yeah, I'm going to take like three math classes and a science class because I'm just going to get all of my general eds out the way. And I was like, ooh, I don't know why that's bad, but I know that's a bad idea. So I went to the upperclassmen and said, hey, this thing is going on and I would like to make space at the next meeting for you all to tell them you know, your upperclassmen science majors to tell them, like, don't do that. And the meeting happened. And it was, again, one of my first times, like, facilitating something like that. So I could have done a lot better. But I recognized at that point the passion was there. And I I wanted to uh, make sure that people didn't catch themselves up and make those really big mistakes and, you know, completely fail, like, five classes in one semester. Amazing. That's so wonderful to hear. And it also sort of segues us into the next question we have. So um, I know the uh, podcast often highlights Black professionals in order to cultivate professional development with skills and give new ideas and new perspectives on ways of thinking. Um, the In El Camino College, we are trying to establish a Black Student Success Center, which I believe could be similar to what you just mentioned, the um, Black Recruitment and Retention Center. So I was just wondering if you guys had any advice for us while we're starting this process. Um, It's a lot of the same goals that you were mentioning, like we're focusing on recruitment of Black students, retention, um, giving them the support they need so they don't like, you know, fail out of their classes and aren't able to graduate. Um, And I just wanted to know um, what advice you would give for that project. As we think about creating space and place uh, for multiple different types of identities, right? One of the things, um, even as student leaders, you also recognize now is that in the higher ed space, things don't always happen very fast, right? And so one of the things that I would remind you as you're asking for things is that you might be asking for things that you yourself may never experience, right? Uh, But that you are putting forth the effort now uh, so that other students can can experience what you want it to be later, right? Um, so sometimes that frustration of like, oh man, I wish that we had a space where, you know, this, that, and the other could happen and I get to hang out here and da-da-da-da, like that would be great, but it might, it might not happen for you, 
right? And so um, I think that, you know, things that I think about and I tell students all the time is community is, is beyond the space, right? Space is great. Sometimes you have it, sometimes you don't, right? But community is also how you treat people, um, you know, what conversations you're having, who you're inviting and not inviting, like all of those things are really important and they keep your, your community together when, when something goes down. Cause you know, something happens every year. Oh, did you see that, 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 that thing in the group chat? Oh, you know, and, and now, and now everybody's Twitter fingers is going right. And so how do you help your, your, your community navigate those things? So there's some things, um, whether you're meeting with incoming students, whether you're uh, doing something between uh, first year and second year students, right? All these things that, that you're doing uh, now digitally, um, you know, thinking about how you can do them in person as well, right? But all those community building things happen whether you have a space or not. And the, and the space is, is important on top of it, right? It's a cherry on top. Um, reach out to your alums, right? There's, you know, there's people on campus, right? That, that uh, their whole job is student engagement, right? And so be in constant touch with, with these folks, right? They're going to be in rooms that you're not going to be in as students, right? But their job is to help uh, push and champion for you when you're not in the room, right? Okay, uh, we're going to be moving into the individual questions now. And the individual question I have today is for Dr. Jackie. Uh, what was your experience uh, during and after being the recipient of the Gates Millennium Scholarship? Since you, well, since there's only one person that I know he was a mentor of mine in high school, and now you're the second. So it, it's kind of a big deal. So I would like to hear your side on it. Sure. And I'm not going to let Dr. Thea off the hook because he was also a Gates Millennium Scholar. So, oh. Yep. So, but I am going to answer the question first. It is. Um, that scholarship was amazing and I really did my best to you know go back to my high school and my family and every other high school that I went to after that because remember I was in BRC going to high schools um, and let people know that they should apply for the Gates Millennium Scholarship. It is a um, full scholarship for the cost of attendance for anything you want to do in undergrad and then when you get to grad school there were specific majors that you could um major in. Um, and I basically selected from that list because I wanted to continue to participate in the program um, because it was really kind of the only way I was going to be able to afford grad school. My education probably would have stopped if it wasn't for the Gates Millennium um, Scholarship Program. I'll tap into that real, real quick. Um, so now you know three uh, Gates Millennium Scholars. Um, but, but what I'll say is this, I think the Gates Millennium Scholarship uh, introduced to, to me the concept that, you know, you don't win if you don't apply, right? Like the Gates Millennium Scholarship was like, you could be one of a thousand, right? And I was like, I mean, could I? I don't know, right? And so I just learned to apply, 
right? Like if if there was an opportunity there, like I wanted my my name to be to have the opportunity to to have someone say yes to it, right? I think a lot of times we get in our own head about am I good enough? Am I not good enough? Well, you know, you, you will never get the opportunity if your name is not on, on the books, right? And so after I got that, I was like, Psh, I'm applying to everything. I'm gonna try to get I'm gonna try to get all the money, right? Uh if there was a if there was an internship that I was interested in, I'm applying to it, right? Because you know, they can't tell me yes if, if they don't see me. So I think that that's something I learned from this, from the experience. That kind of goes back to uh, the GED to PhD episode again, where Dr. Melvin said, you have to put yourself in the position to be in the position. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, again, it's just going all back and forth. It's just, I'm seeing it and hearing it in person now. So it's, it's really great. Thank you. Well, uh, Dr. Jackie, one question I had um, was um, you spoke earlier about the historically Black Greek organization at um, Berkeley. Could you go into a little bit more of that? Was that academic support? Was that social support? What did what happened there? Yeah, so I um, joined Zeta Phi Beta Sorority Incorporated uh, in my very last year at UC Berkeley, uh, I had definitely seen the Black Greek social organizations at Berkeley and um, was like, I definitely really respected them, but I didn't think it was for me until I saw Zeta, um, which was actually not active on the campus. And someone actually came up to me and said, I think you would make a really good Zeta and you should look into the organization, which was a breath of fresh air for me, because that wasn't really the experience I had with how people recruited for their organizations, right? So I looked into it and it was really like falling in love. I looked at their community service. I looked at um, some of the um, accomplishments of different members and decided that that was it, right? I, I wanted to do that. So our organizations are social organizations, but we are called to serve. So we do community service and we do um, uh, support each other through uh, our academic endeavors. And honestly, through the things that I learned with Zeta Phi Beta, uh, I have I've basically been an A student ever since. Um, I've never really gotten anything less than an A after Zeta really instilled in me a lot of different um, lessons and um, just like study techniques and everything. Like I learned so much. It was it was a great organization um, to join and I'm happy to be a part of it. And I, and I am actually part of the, the brother organization to Zeta Phi Beta, my organization is Phi Beta Sigma Fraternity Incorporated, uh, one of the nine historically Black Greek organizations uh, that's part of the National Panhellenic Council. So, and so they've played a role within the Black community as uh, champions for education. A lot of uh, the organizations were, were started when there were very few uh, Black folks going into higher ed spaces, right? Um, and so uh, they kind of paved the way uh, for folks to um, to understand how to navigate the space, right? And I think that that's really something that's uh, been important to me. Here and now are times where we can figure out what are organizations that we can join at the local level and at the national level 
that'll help us navigate once we're outside of the campus space, right? So right now, uh, you all are leaders in, in SEAC, right? It's like, well, when, when you get to your job, where's where SEAC then? It's like, I, I don't know what that looks like, right? And so for engineers, it might be, you know, uh, the National Society of Black Engineers, or it might be Society of Women Engineers, SWE, right? Or it could be uh, uh, the National Urban League, right? Or the NAACP, or different organizations that are going to allow you to um, get folks of like minds in similar spaces in order for you to navigate where you want to go next, right? So keep on the lookout for organizations that allow you to to grow in membership, right? Grow in leadership, right? And that's something that you can do with a with a, a Greek based organization. It could be a, a social based organization. It could be, um, you know, another type of organ a service based organization as well. So. Great. There's definitely stuff, uh, organizations like those are stuff to look out for, I guess, all students um, in this chat uh, once we graduate and in the future as well. So thank you both. Awesome. I think that's it, right, guys? Thank you all for stopping by. This was a wonderful event. It was a pleasure talking to you both, Dr. Theo and Dr. Jackie. Um, thank you all for coming. And that's a wrap. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Remember, the way we build social capital is to build self and build others. Be sure you got some notes on your tablet, computer, or even using a pen and paper. Leave us a review, continue the conversation on social media at Black Social Cap, and share the show with someone you know. Until the next episode, stay motivated and rise together. This is Black Social Capital.